Who says the Bible has to be boring? On the contrary, the Bible is the most thrilling book in the world. It's the only book with an invitation to join the very narrative you are reading. My goal is to be like your time-traveling tour guide, taking you into an exploration of scripture in search of precious treasure, timeless, life-giving truths that inform us of who God is, who we are, and how the story of everything really is His story. I invite you to join me as we learn to read the story, trust the story, and live the story, because there's no greater adventure than knowing the God of the Bible. I'm Brayden Brookshire, and this is Adventures in Theology. All right, and we are on with John Guerra, and I want to make sure as well that I'm saying your last name correctly. Is that right, yep. John? John Guerra. Guerra with the G. Guerra with a G. And uh, for people who cannot see your face, which is everyone except me, uh, <laughs> tell people, you know, is that like what ethnicity is that last name? My dad is Cuban. My mom is Argentine. Oh, yeah, Argentine. You know, obviously from my dad's side. And um, yeah, oh, there's also Italian in there. There's also um, Spanish, um, tiny, tiny bit of Greek. Oh, okay. You're a little bit of a mutt. Yeah. Are you so you're predominantly though you said Cuban and Argentine? Cuban and Argentine. Yeah, my I, mom is straight up from yeah. I knew that Argentina was a country, obviously, but I'd never heard it said like you know, like when you shorten it to like, okay, Argentine. Like that's the how you would yeah. say it. that's yeah. funny. Oh no, um, totally. Yeah, it's it's but I'm the first one born here. So it's kind of a oh wow. story in my family. Oh, for sure. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of, you know, your story, um, I want to get into some things with you and some specifics, but of course, some people might not know who you are. And if you don't, guys, you have to check out John Garrett's music. Um, It's honestly amazing. Like I'm going to link things down below, but check them out on anything you listen to, uh, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, like literally anything he's there and it's amazing. So please, please, please check it out. Uh, Show him some love purchase this music, say thank you, all those things. But anyways, I, I do want to, I guess, give you a chance to introduce yourself. Um, some people on my audience probably have, don't even know who you are. So give us like the, the you know, a little introduction. Who are you, John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a singer-songwriter and I am originally, I spent the last 15 years in Chicago and my wife, and baby girl and I just moved to Austin, Texas, March of 2020, uh, right before everything shut down here. Oh yeah. And um, I spent, I, I've been leading worship since, really since I was a teenager. Um, started playing guitar when I was 12. And then I started band, you know, started the band in high school, started the band after, in college, after college. Um, I, I make art for God. Yeah. Um, and also I am very much a worship leader at heart. I'm very much mm-hmm. um, formed by the rhythms of week in, week out church stuff. Mm-hmm. My dad is a pastor, has been my whole life too. So I spent a lot of time at church growing up. And, um, but I absolutely, I, I just love the craft of writing and producing and composing. I do some film music as well. Um, 
so my music is a little bit of a combination of both. What I like to say in terms of the genre is it's it's less Sunday morning music. It's more Monday morning prayer. Yes. So it's it's less um, music that is intended for like an audible, like you joining me by singing along, but it's meant it's meant for you to join me by sort of attending to the songs in prayer along with me. Yes, um, yes, yes. Like it, like that's the perfect way I would summarize it too, because that's how I felt experiencing it. So I think that's an accurate. A summarization of it i mean you said you create art for god and i agree and i would even take that a step further that like you create art that people can come alongside and be like oh my gosh like thank you for chiseling out and forming something that like spoke the words that i i couldn't quite figure out how to say or how to sing it in fact and so because music obviously is just such a different articulation of the soul than just uh, any other words I, i'm a writer by heart um, yeah. I'd rather write than like, I like to write things before I even like speak it per se. Um, mm. And so like that, that's how I process things. But then like, I really value people who have ways to like, Oh my gosh, you put my thoughts, not just into written form, but you put it into a song. And that's how I feel when I listen to your music. It's, it is that Monday morning, like reflection. And uh, like you said, you, I totally sense the worship leader at heart because I think sometimes um, we get so lost in, you know, putting ourselves at the center of our universe. And whereas like, yeah. I feel like with your songs, it is so, I'm going to use a big word, but theocentric. It is so putting God at the center of it all. And like the adoration of him and how it all stems from him. It's, it's simply beautiful. So your approach certainly is unique and valued. Thank you, man. That's very kind of you. And super, super. Yeah. You're being very, not sure where the conversation can go from here. I'm good to go. So, <laughs> and that's it. So, thanks for joining us, John. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so, guys, you do have to check out all of his songs. And um, honestly, I was telling John before we started recording that, like, I, I was only introduced to your music this year. So, there's, yeah. I feel like there's still like so many songs that I haven't like properly digested yet. Um, yeah. I, well, the first song I was introduced to was "I Will Follow," which oh yeah. my gosh. But the the one I want to spend at least a few minutes on. Uh, in particular, if nothing less, is the song Kingdom of God, mm -hmm. which we will play a sample for you right now. Beauty shining from your face Always long to see this place Is there somewhere I can stay And so that is just a small part of the song. You have to listen to the full thing. And you did a beautiful acoustic rendition of that song. Is with, was that with your wife? Yeah, it was with my wife, Valerie. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, I'm linking that down below. That, yeah, that was actually the first rendition I heard of that oh, song. Oh, nice. And um, I was telling you before, Nicole. 
I was crying. So it was a really <laughs> glorious moment. I was, I was at my laptop, headphones in, and I was working on something else, John. And then I was listening to the song and I had to stop what I was doing just to like ponder and just the, the words and the music, and it was amazing. So uh, first, I guess, big picture here. Uh, what's some of the inspiration? What's the story behind the song for Kingdom of God? Uh, what is the story? Um, well, that one, there was a lot going on in my community back home in Chicago a couple of years ago at our church. And... Um, Kind of, it was a little bit of a microcosm, maybe what we all sort of just experienced with the election, where there was a kind of a little bit of just conflict. And uh, I won't go into too 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 much detail, but it was it was kind of an intense. I guess um, it was an intense reckoning of, uh, I guess, conflicting ideas of what was and what should be and who's right and who's wrong and who's to blame and who's, um, it, it just was really, it was really nasty. And, you know, having been a worship leader for a long time and really having, um, I guess, in, you know, I'm in my early thirties and I've been a Christian since I was an early, really, you know, for as long as I can remember, but really since, you know, eight or nine or something. And for a long time, you, you naturally, maybe at least for me, I, I fell into this idea that, that faith was kind of about becoming increasingly like Christ, which meant I would become increasingly strong and maybe powerful and influential and my proximity to God would equal uh, my proximity to the um, up and to the right of the graph bell curve um and, and i you know i didn't grow up in any sort of health and wealth uh tradition in fact quite the opposite um my dad is super reformed and i grew up reading the puritans and still find all that very rich and um you know find the idea and concept of sin very helpful in fact and but but yet um, I think it was just maybe Americanism or something, or maybe maybe myself, maybe my own projective identification or um, pr projecting what I wanted onto God. Or, but um, what I kind of realized in that season through a lot of things is actually sometimes proximity to God um, means none of those things. It doesn't mean um, power or strength. It, it, in fact, more often maybe means the opposite. And... Yeah. I was reading through the Psalms at the time and um, I remember Psalm 84. Actually, I was, I was actually visiting a friend and he had Psalm 84 taped onto his desk. Um, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. And I just found that, that visual so, so insanely beautiful. I, I just, I've read the Psalms who knows how many times and I never picked up on that and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. I mean, that's like, there's just so, so much rich stuff there. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's in fact a mercy. The Beatitudes are such a hard word, but they're in fact merciful because who can't, yes. yeah. who can't be weak, who can't be poor, you know, who doesn't mourn, who doesn't, 
it's a very, um, it's kind of a come one, come all under these very human conditions. Um, so I found, I found that to be great comfort in that season of our church and that season of kind of like, there's all this infighting, there's a lot of kind of vying for power and authority. And um, I found that to be quite nourishing. Well, it's like the kingdom of God doesn't play the status games that our world does, you know, like where we, you know, we vouch and for people and we put people in positions of power based on uh, our own perceptions of their worth, dignity or anything. But like the kingdom of God, as uh, the Sermon on the Mount opens out with with those beatitudes or um, those macroisms, it's just like it's, it's almost like a declaration of congratulations to those who are poverty in terms of their spirit because they're the ones that haven't figured it out because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like it's, yeah. it's really like, it's flipping the script on yeah. who um, even whether the Romans or the religious leaders would have saw as being the people to say that those are the people of the kingdom. And so I love what you had to say there about that. And I, I, I'd never seen that connection in Psalm 84, but right when you uh, paraphrase that verse right there, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's where those lyrics come from. Like, yeah. Uh, I have the lyrics up in front of me for their hearts have a road to the kingdom of God and their souls are the songs of the kingdom of God and they will find refuge for theirs is the kingdom of God. Much better when you hear it sung, but <laughs> 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 nevertheless, uh, I cannot sing. It's just bad, but <laughs> nevertheless, I, I, it's cool to hear the inspiration and the connections there. I mean, the, the Beatitudes was an obvious connection with the chorus, yeah. but uh, the connection is Psalm 84 and the highways to Zion. Um, that's incredible. And then, so in the second verse, you, you, you say these lines and I personally really resonated with these. It says uh, beauty shining from your face. Always long to see this place. Is there somewhere I can stay even just a couple days? And then it goes back in the course. And I, I want to hear what your interpretation or, or your interpretation is your song, <laughs> what, what you <laughs> meant by the, what you meant by the, that, that second verse, but I want to take a little bit of a stab at it first, just to guess. I mean, yeah. I, it's almost like the very people who don't think they have a place in the kingdom, kind of like seeing getting a, a glimpse into it. And they're seeing like, like, Oh, this is beautiful. Like, can I stay? Is like, you know, would it be okay? And, and it, like, that's the whole point. It's like, actually you are the people that this is for. Like, am yeah. I onto something or is it completely that's it, wrong? Man. No, you, yeah. I, you really nailed it. That's such an astute observation. And um, yeah, I'm so impressed that you, you kind of thought about it so long to come up with that. I mean, there was, I'm always trying to find with lyrics, the emotional connection with real life, with real experience. Um, you know, I can feel, I think we all can feel lonely sometimes. And I, I love my family. I love my daughter. I love my friends. Um, but sometimes in quiet and silence, you, you kind of feel this, this pang, this sort of ache, at least I do. Yeah. And that really is only, I, I think that's, that really is kind of like a, it's almost, it is physiological. It feels physiological. It's like an ache for God. And that, that verse was, was kind of a window into what I'm, I guess, hoping is sort of the, the real existential experience of somebody for whom the kingdom belongs. Like you said, it is not just for those who can, you know, say the right things or who are numbered among the right crowd, but it's those who 
you know, what does it say in their hearts or the highways design? Like it's something very internal, something at the, at the nucleus of our desire and the nucleus of our um, craving, which is crazy because it's really, I, if you don't like a certain food, I can't make you like it. You know, it's mm. that craving is something so out of our control in many ways. Um, and yet when, when Christ equates the thirsting for righteousness, that he, he's talking about craving language. Yes. And and it's craving language that, again, is so, like, we all crave. Do we thirst for righteousness? Well, I would maybe argue that we do, but just in really weird ways. Like, mm. we thirst to be, we seek righteousness in all sorts of ways, um, which we can talk about later. Um, but that craving, I think, when we, it's a simple recognition and really, like, a, a I think God has to give us that recognition that, those cravings are actually for him. And we don't actually need to avoid those cravings. We don't need to cover them up um, with some sort of like eschatological um, dress to kind of say, well, I'm good because one day, you know, we can actually, we're actually meant to sit in this not yet moment. And that not yetness, that craving, that unfulfilled desire, that feeling of meaninglessness, that wondering what's going, that is actually a road to God. And that is actually, it is in that, that then um, we are calibrated or we can um, by his mercy and really by an act of, I guess, attention and the will, we can almost, you know, it's like a weather vane. Those, those longings and desires are like a weather vane that can point you towards God. And, it, and that, so that verse was kind of meant to be that like, yeah, yeah. just an embodiment of what that might be. And, and truth be told, it was kind of a, um, I enjoy writing very um, emotionally like that. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional dude. Um, yeah, no, I like that. No, I, I connect to that too, for so many reasons. Like, I think as a male, sometimes we are afraid to express those kinds of things. Um, like, I think sometimes we're even afraid to talk about such things as like having intimacy with Christ. Like as a man, that sounds for some people weird, but to me, it's become yeah. so natural. Um, well, first of all, like I, I'm like, I'm to totally a mystic. I'm totally a contemplative Christian. Like uh, I really bridge the gap between like, I think that all that we learn as far as theology ought to inform and even enhance our experience of Christ. Not just mm -hmm. like our intellectual side of it, but even the word knowledge, at least from a Hebrew backdrop, would imply some sort of intimacy like knowledge yeah. was not an end of itself but had to an aim or a goal like when you know someone better it's not just knowing their favorite color or yeah. random facts about them the whole point of knowledge is to to gain access to gain intimacy with them to love and be loved and so i really connect with that kind of really that language where like you said it's like visceral like the craving is visceral and palpable even and yeah. so i i at least I certainly resonate with that. I'm sure. I mean, a ton of people obviously do because your music, you have a career in music where you express yourself in these sort of ways. But like I said, I mean, there's, there's a biblical depth here. And like you said, the, um, the kingdom of God isn't just like this future thing. Like everything's gonna be better one day, you know, it's, and even in the text that you're drawing from in the Beatitudes, um, you know, the kingdom of uh, theirs is the kingdom of God. That's a present tense verb. Greek. like the, there's is currently right now in some sort of inaugurated way the kingdom yeah. of god is a possession for them right now so some way those people are like pockets of the kingdom right now walking yeah. so crazy 
I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful reality that I think occasionally we can live into. And then other times we hold that paradox. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we have to learn to exist in that tension of our, our lived experience and then what, um, what God calls it. Yeah, absolutely. Now I have, so I wrote down some questions that like, I just wanted to get at like more at your heart here, because, um, I think, I do think your music really speaks for itself. So I did want to ask some things about it, but hopefully yeah. I want to dissect a little bit more about you and your heart here. And so, um, I guess first thing is just like, you know, obviously there's a lot of distress in our culture right now. Um, it goes without saying we all can see and sense that I, I come from a little bit more of an optimistic point of view that this is not time to just like, uh, to waste or just to even just wait in um, yeah. agony or distress. I think that there's a chance for Christians to, um, maybe lead with an influence from the bottom floor to lead from influence in a way that's maybe different than we have in the past. I, I guess I just would like to hear uh, your opinion first on this matter of just like in our cultural moment right now with where we're at, what do you see is important for Christians to kind of lead the way on? That's a big question, man. I don't, I really do. Yeah. Le leading from the bottom floor. I like, where that's going. Mm -hmm. um, the, the bottom floor, I mean, I, I guess I would, I would hope that we're leading in, um, or that we're learning to sort of be priests for our time and pray in, in a very, I mean that very concretely. I, yeah we have resources for um, this kind of thing. At least we, we claim to, we claim to have um, access to God. And we really believe that prayer is efficacious. Many wings of the church do. And the world needs some, um, almost some, some mediation or the world needs almost like a, the church to go to God and say, not only what the heck's going on here, fix it, but Lord have mercy, you know, yeah. have mercy on this broken world. Um, be here with us like we know you are, but, but be here more, you know, don't let your, um, don't let the light go out here. You know, I, um, I, I guess that's, that's sort of what I feel um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure it's happening. I'm, I know it's happening in certain cases, but I, um, I think it was either, I, yeah, it sounds like a C.S. Lewis quote or a story, but he said, um, how many, how much of the war, you know, speaking of World War II, how much of the war is actually being fought by old ladies in North London getting together at 6 a.m. for prayer and tea, you know? It was in his book about um, the Psalms and about prayer. And, uh, and I've, I've come to really, I don't, I don't like saying that I'm testing God or, or anything, because it just sounds so dumb, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> it's just very intense. But I'm kind of in a point in my life where I am very much praying for things very specifically and then looking for God to, to work. Um, mm. I didn't grow up in a tradition that uh, 
you know, that really, it wasn't charismatic or anything. And it wasn't, it wasn't anti-prayer, but um, it wasn't necessarily like a, I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to keep bringing it. I'm going to look for God to, and I'm going to listen for him to speak to this situation in me through his word or through, you know, just through my spirit. And um, I've been kind of in a stage in my life and, and faith where I'm doing that a lot more. And so prayer has been feeling, and, and there's been really sweet idiosyncratic um, moments mm. in prayer in the morning. Um, so I, I would say that, I guess, if I had to, if I had to speak to the lofty aims of the church at large in 2020, I would say, I hope that we're praying on behalf of the world. Yeah. I mean, that is taking a priestly role. Um, I think so as the mediators, the standing in between, I think that's a key difference too, is our posture shouldn't be one that's like pointing with the finger of condemnation, but pointing with the finger of like, instead of how can we like, uh, I want to see retribution happen. Like I want to see restoration happen. And so I think it's just an entirely different posture and attitude in which how we go about it. And so um, it, it's never like, you know, I don't, I don't like the phrase like, Oh, we're going against culture. Like I see a lot of ways that certainly true, but like maybe communicating it like differently. So it's more of like, I want to come alongside. I want to, I want to bring the redemptive side of it. And I just, I see so much yeah. of the way of Jesus in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing I think your music is really apt at doing too is like, I think there's just so many, as you said earlier in this very recording that like, there are like so many like windows into like ourselves and the, what we crave when we want to connect with God, but also like windows into the character of Christ. And so then the other thing I wanted to ask you too is just like, and maybe just as of lately, like what about the character of Christ has just like, you know, even meditating on, reflecting on, just thinking about, has there been anything in particular about the character of Christ that you just uh, feel really, really especially drawn to right now? Mm. By the way, as you think of that, I love that you're so thought out and like, it's so great. Are you, what number are you on the Enneagram? I just must ask. <laughs> I just, I'm a four with a five wing. I know I should have just stated it because <laughs> I, I, I'm a five wing four and nice. uh, I, I like, I can like see it because like thought process is kind of similar. You hang on every word. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Just, it's so great watching you process because you're so comfortable with the silence and I love it because some people aren't <laughs> some people will just be doing the filler words um good let me think about that but you're just like we could be here for like five minutes as you think of it that's so good I, I just had to call it I love that that's I love good, that you're man. you're totally a four wing five when I heard your music I knew it mm. anyways oh <laughs> so totally man any, any just, gram yeah. side note any gram side note nice yeah exactly no that's yeah no totally nailed it um I just finished reading this book on the Holy Spirit called The Holy Spirit and the Christian Experience from this theologian named Simeon Zoll. Mm. He is a theology professor at Oxford, young guy, I think probably maybe mid to late thirties or something. Oh, wow. um, he's as Protestant as Protestant comes in terms of kind of theological framework. Um, he deals with a lot of like law and grace dynamic framework, 
seeing the world through kind of that lens. And I think right now what I'm most grateful for is that Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, yeah. um, and, and speaking and, and talking about giving us the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I'm just very grateful that the Holy Spirit is wild and surprising and, and that Christ is as free now as he was when he was on the earth. He's as free to confound expectations, confound my, because I, I really, you know, I, I really feel right now in my life, I kind of need him to, I need him to kind of confound my, um, what I think is going to happen or what I think is coming. Um, yeah. It's both terrifying because it, building our expectations on accurate data and then trying to mani manipulate reality, that's like a billion dollar industry. <laughs> um, we, we, you know, we're basically mitigating methods of control. It's like we go through our lives just controlling breakfast, controlling interactions, controlling when we, well, I guess we're not in school anymore, but people that go to school, it's like everything sort of has this illusion that we're in charge. And if we just get to this point, we'll be more in charge. And if we just remove that variable and contingency, we'll be more secure, we'll be more, you know, safe. And that's, that's just not true. And um, there's a lot of things that make you mindful of that. Death is one of them. Sus unsuspected or, or unanticipated loss of any kind. Pandemic, um, elections, I mean, you name it. Um, and I, I'm right now, this book was, <clears throat> was all about um, really the freedom of the Holy Spirit and um, in consoling us. And it was basically a really long book about consolation and um, on every level. And it's amazing to think that Christ used his freedom to go to the cross. And I think the spirit uses his freedom to, to console us and to minister to us. And yeah, that's just been very, that's been very meaningful to me lately. I find it quite ironic that we are so obsessed with independence and that has seemed to seep into even church values and uh, to where like, it's, I agree with you. It's almost like we think that as we grow in Christ, eventually we'll become more and more independent. And I, I've heard this certain phrase, uh, it's a Christian cliche and I, I hate it so much. <laughs> I wish we would stop saying it, but um, in, gosh, I'm sorry if, if you've said it. Let me just say it and let me explain yeah. why I don't like this. Uh, you know, if it's, it goes something along the lines of like, if, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. Have you heard people say that before? Like, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. And like, I see where they're getting at. So I, I try not, I'm yeah. a total Enneagram five. I try, try not to be overly analytical about like right. it because I get what they're trying to say. But what I'm hearing you say is like this, almost like if we were perfect, we would have our independence. And so one day when we're perfect, we don't, we won't need Jesus. And it's like, wait a second, like, wait a second, time out. As if God created us with the intention of being independent. Like, I think that that's like one of the big misunderstandings about our faith is like, actually, we grow independence. That's the irony. Like, the more you grow in your faith and your union with Christ, the more you, I think, become ever aware of that dependence, not just as a necessity, but as like, 
you know, as like an intimate delight, like that you are growing further in that uh, awareness, but also desire for dependence. Like God, like for a long time, maybe I came to you in salvation because I knew I was a sinner and I needed salvation, but drawing ever near, I just want you like, yeah, it's, it's this, so it is a lie of um, control. It's, it's the illusion of that. And then it's also the illusion of that we're supposed to somehow as uh, human beings supposed to evolve in a, even a spiritual way to become independent. But no, I think it's the opposite. I think like our journey is growing in, in dependence. <laughs> no, totally, man. I think, I actually think that's not Christianity at all. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about that phrase, and of course, like you said, people don't, people don't mean it for all the layers that we're probably interpreting it through. Right. But, yeah. Um, you know, if you think of like traditional saints, or at least whether or not you buy into that, whatever, but the, the idea that there's, um, you know, there are people in whom the desire for God has become so great that it has consumed everything in their life. Um, and the idea that one day we will be perfect and, and well, what is the nature of that perfection? Um, the nature of that perfection is that we will be consumed for a desire and want for God yeah. and that desire and want will be ever satisfied. I mean, ever it's like, satisfied. Yes. It's, it's, and so to be independent, I mean, that's, that is like a, some, some people there's traditions that describe hell as that, as you just alone eternity i mean that so the lie of independence and i think the the lure of it is well people are messy and relationship is hard um i mean at least the lure in my life i'm an only child and i'm also like we've talked about i, I enjoy reading i enjoy my alone time i enjoy reading yeah. so i don't mind being by myself in fact that that's not can be very rich for me but i absolutely need um also connection like anybody like any same person i think does um and and we need that not only with god but we need that in god through other people yeah um and that can happen whether god is ever mentioned whether god is not ever mentioned i mean it's we can we can i think commune with god through people um in in many ways so yeah I'm, i'm definitely with you on the independence thing i think that's yeah. And that's why Independence Day, I mean, I, again, not to be, I totally, this guy was such a, I was just a, such an idiot and just total, total sore on certain conversations. Because um, it's like, there is a spirit of revolution kind of in this country. Um, and I'm very grateful for this country, but there's a spirit of kind of like, don't tread on me. Um, and, just, I don't know if that's Christianity. I mean, I, I also, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily to be totally suspect at all times, but at the same time, it's Christianity is something very different. And so, yes, I agree. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. I'm sure we could talk shop on that all day, like on any of these things. Um, yeah. And so again, going back to your music in our last few minutes together, like uh, I want to ask a few more things about your music but like i do think your music does capture the heart of christianity like in many ways um so appreciate that you definitely have a gift so speaking of um 
as we begin to close, I think I wanted to ask some of your favorites. So what is like your favorite song that you've um, made to date? And I, I guess I'll just preface that with, I understand that that might change because I, I totally think that like favorites are like seasonal and sometimes yeah. for that time. So I guess in this particular season where you're at, what you're feeling, what you're going through everything, which of your songs like is resonating most, most with you and why? Um, which one is resonating? I would probably Life Logic. A song called Life Logic. Um, it's really fun to play. I've done a few Zoom concerts, which I'm going to be doing kind of more of, just sort of private okay. or for groups of people, um, just to kind of stay in front of people that would like to hear the music. Yes. And when I play that song with my wife, I play it on piano, and the, 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 the way the piano works is really fun to play. And emotionally, that one I, I feel very much connected that song right now yeah that's a good one yeah i mean isn't that one kind of about the confounding of our own wisdom in a sense our own logic (laughs) yeah i mean that was that was a pretty that was less in my head that was that was very much like a whole it just all kind of came out um, yeah Hmm. and and then i massaged it and a lot of a lot of art is what's beautiful about it is that um you at least in my experience, my best songs are hardly ever written with my head. They're written with my heart, edited with my head, mm. and then I guess sung with my soul or my spirit. <laughs> um, and it, it's like God is hard woven meaning and richness into the process by which good, uh, by, by which craftsmanship happens. So like, you know, when somebody is building a table, are they thinking, um, oh, is this table going to hold up if somebody, you know, sits on it? Well, they don't have to think about that because all they need to do is to make sure that um, the physics are right with the table. All they have to do is think about, okay, this joint is there. There's four legs under this thing. I have to put the brackets there and I have to, and if they do that, then it's in the nature of wood that that thing is going to hold up when people are eating dinner on it, that that's just kind of, and there's something to giving yourself to the process of creation and, and art. I wonder if your writing is the same way, but there's something to the process of giving yourself to um, one's intuitions that have been grown and, and developed through time. Yeah. And just, and then after the fact, going back and, Oh, what was going on there? Oh, that, yeah, that works for these reasons or this one doesn't work. Oh, it's probably because of this. So I'll just move that around. And um, so, so that one was, you know, very much like a, it all kind of came out and then I listened to it a couple of days later and, and a lot of it was just kind of there. Yeah. Which doesn't happen often, but. <laughs> that's always good. Yeah. That's an efficient process right there. No, that's cool. It's always cool to hear the, like the ethos or the heartbeat behind a song. And so my last question for you today is a little bit of foreshadowing, I guess. Um, is, is there, do you foresee any, um, theme or concept starting to forge of like, okay, I'm, I don't know what this song is going to look like yet, but I have a song on, like, I want to write a song about this. Um, yeah. Give us a, give us a hint in the creative I mean, mind. No, totally. Yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking about my next album actually already. And yes, what good. I'm very much <laughs> interested in exploring is um, kind of joy and what I said in a text to a friend the other day was the devotional center of beats. Like 
that, and that's all. I mean, just have those two things. It's like, what, what, what is devotional joy look like? It's very different than the, a lot of times people say, oh man, at church, you know, give God praise or like shout for him. You shout when you're at the football game, like you lose your mind. Well, why are we talking about football? We're at church. Like <laughs> two very different things. Like we're not going to cheer for, you know, so like what is an eruption of joy in, you know, cause I write Monday morning prayer. What is, what is joy in a Monday morning prayer mm. moment? And yeah. um, so that's kind of where my, that's where my creativity is, right? It's very weird. And there's a lot of trap beats that sound weird with a nylon guitar, but um, I'm excited for it. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear that and to hear you process and uh, as you do through songs. So that's great. Well, uh, John, it's been so great having you on the podcast. I'm going to link everything down below um, for you guys. You guys check out John. And, and hey, if people want to stay connected with you and like be aware of upcoming things, um, like if, hey, he's doing a Zoom uh, concert or whatever yeah. it is, like, or even a real concert, <laughs> oh, yeah. where, where do you want people to stay connected with you? Um, socials are great. Website is great. I am John Guerra is my uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, J-O-N, no H, Gera, G-U-E-R-R-A. Website is, you know, the classic music tour dates links. But mainly, mainly I would say on socials, Instagram. Cool, yeah, I'll link that down below. Yeah, I know, I'm like rarely on Facebook nowadays. I'm, I'm yeah. on social, I'm on uh, Instagram a lot more, but yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's fun. But yeah, okay, people, definitely check him out, listen to his music, and hey, I'm sure you'll be back on this podcast when we have to process through joy sometime in the future too. So totally. at least uh, I'm going to speak for you here, John. This is not your last time on this podcast. <laughs> Great. We'll see you next time on Adventures in Theology.